my grandparents were raised in occupied Korea. Then they went through the war. They lost siblings. Like my grandfather's hometown technically isn't what is North Korea now. So they went through some shit, right? So our parents, both my mom and my dad, are products of that. Scarcity mindset, literal war, literal famine. Like just look up Korea pictures in the 50s and 60s. I'd be shocked. Um, that's the context in which they grew up, man. So no shit they want us to go somewhere safe. Hey, Bads, this is Victor. I just wanted to pop in real quick to share a huge thank you to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Burner Labs Alpha Vape Pen. For our stoner listeners out there, uh, this is a super sleek vape pen. I've personally been using it for a few months now, and I love how high-tech it is. It has haptic feedback on the draws, which feels amazing. And it also has a switch where it can turn to different two different modes, a low and a high, depending on what type of experience you want out of your cannabis. It also uses the very common 510 cartridge, so you can always refill it. And the best part is it's like three Chipotle burritos after the discount. So definitely go to burnerlab.com. That's B-R-N-R-L-A-B.com and enter in the code BAD at checkout to get 15% off. Our second sponsor is Human Up, which is a brand that I run myself, and it's very relevant to the Badass Asian Dudes community for those who want to improve their emotional intelligence and mindfulness through the power of conscious cannabis use. So this is again for the cannabis lovers out there, I am hosting a four-week cannabis meditation course starting in October. So if you are listening to this episode before October 8th, 2020, you can still register for the course and, and jump in. This is for those of you who are curious to use cannabis in a more intentional way to improve confidence, creativity, and clarity within your life. So you can make quicker, more intuitive decisions and solve problems more creatively within your work and your relationships. The proceeds from this course will go directly to the Badass Asian Dudes community as I plan to host these plant medicine retreats for Badass Asian Dudes specifically as well. And I'm super excited to be able to do that for you guys eventually. Um, but for now, this will be what we got virtually uh, over Zoom. And you can register at bit.ly slash cannabis meditation course, all one word, lowercase. And the link will also be in the show notes. Enter in the coupon code BADASS and you can also get 15% off, which is exclusive to this podcast. So with that, I am super excited to get you right into the episode now with Jerry Wan. What's up, Badass Asian Dudes? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Victor Ung, a cannabis wellness coach, and today we have on an awesome guest. Um, before we get into him, though, introducing my co-host here, Sable Shen. You want to say hi? Hey, what's up, Badass Asian Dudes? That's it. Hi. <laughs> awesome. And today we have on Jerry Wan from... Just Like Media and the host of a whole bunch of different podcasts. So uh, especially the Dear Asian Americans, which he has behind him. 
on his uh, screen there. Uh, Jerry, say hi. What's up, guys? Uh, pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think what you guys have created, not only in terms of content, but a community for uh, men to be vulnerable. Um, but I think it's very, very cool. Um, I'm sure there's varying degrees of still people trying to uh, flex and, you know, pretend to be really fake badass people, but really happy to see uh, you guys do this and really, really an honor to be here today. Yes, thank you for being here too. And actually, you know, to that point, it is really one of those things where it, you know, we're, it's easy for a lot of a lot of men to want to like, show up and like be the best version and kind of hold back. <laughs> yeah, just like macho it up, right? And like hold back like what um, would traditionally be viewed as weak or or sensitive or whatnot. So it's been an interesting exploration to explore this intersection here. But um, yeah, we'd like to start off with uh, a question with all of our guests. Uh, what does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? I think the word that comes to me is just authenticity, right? I think we've all grown up in a weird combination of influences, both cultural, um, I guess from both cultures, whether it is our Asian side, um, the silent, stoic, you know, tough man, and then being American, you obviously have the, you know, the stereotypical um, images of the super buff, you know, roided out white guy driving a big ass pickup truck, just yelling at people like, that's the image that people have when they think of man in America, right? And, yeah. you know, we, we've also been conditioned to uh, reinforce those messages through cartoons, even like American Dad or, you know, other things where it's just, and then the flip side of that, I guess to use all Fox cartoons as an example, like Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson are sort of ridiculed as the everyday fun loving, but not the macho type, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. aspire to be a Peter Griffin, you aspire to be American Dad or, you know, other sort of more tough, quote unquote, people. Um, so I think we, especially as Asian American men, are raised with a double whammy of expectations to be a very specific version of a man. And whether that is, you know, not expressing, not expressing one's emotions, or perhaps it is, um, you know, uh, picking or going down a specific career path. I think those are things that we all struggle with uh, throughout our, you know, spectrum of lives. Um, but I think for me, being a badass person just means being you. What does it mean to be you? Um, uniquely you in your own way and, and then to be comfortable with it, right? And then to not have any shame or um, completely okay. I think being authentic also comes with being vulnerable and being okay with putting yourself out there. And um, there's, there's like 7 billion people in the world. You can't make everybody happy, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I think, you know, one word comes to mind and that is authenticity. I love that. Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot of that based on what I know about your story is that you're on that journey to really like find that. Um, so, so for those who maybe aren't familiar with you, maybe do a quick, you know, catch us up with what you're doing now and, and how you're finding that authenticity for yourself. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'll give you my entire 30 second life story, which sort of provides the context of how I or why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Um, Born in Korea, we moved to the States when I was eight. Uh, grew up in a very, very Korean suburb of LA called Fullerton. And if you're familiar with it, it's a you know pretty much Koreatown. Um, 
ended up moving to New York City for high school because of my dad's job. Uh, I got a dose of diversity, dose of just a big city life. Um, came back to LA to go to USC. Um, started getting involved in a lot of Asian, Asian American organizations and worked in LA for the next 10 years. Um, doing a lot of sales work, doing a lot of marketing work, um, a lot of commission work and stuff like that. Um, but in and around the Koreatown and Korean American community, mostly socially and then, you know, community wise. Um, professionally, then I went to business school at Michigan and came back as a consultant, um, did the traveling circus for a little while, uh, decided I really didn't like it. Um, and most importantly than anything else, I think it goes back to authenticity. Never really feel like it can be yourself. You have to be a version of yourself for the goodness of your firm. And then another layer is don't do, say, or be anything that your client probably would not approve of because you obviously, um, they're the old team, they're the people that ultimately pay you. Um, and around that. the same time, of course, look, and a lot of people listening are probably, you know, um, stuck in corporate jobs where they just always are cognizant in the deep, deep back of their minds of shit, what am I going to say? And how is somebody going to react to it? And um, always in this context of, you know, will it prevent a promotion? You know, it's always in the context of the reaction of the organization or these mythical bosses that we put on pedestals and uh, have us ju have them judge um, sort of what we do or how we can live our lives. Um, I guess on a personal parallel, um, I had a kid, got married right before business school, had our first kid in business school. Um, so I did all that traveling with a kid at home. And that's not fun, right? If there's dads listening. Sure. I, we always joke, right? Like, man, I get the best sleep on the road because you ain't got nobody waking you up. And, you know, just got a hotel, quiet hotel room all by yourself. Um, and then so a little bit after, um, towards the end of my consulting stint, um, we had our second child. And so um, I, I did work for a large real estate startup here in LA. Um, and again, I think it was just continuing to try to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And always, always, always came back to, I don't feel like I can be myself. And regardless of, so, you know, I've tried, you know, I went, I was working at one of the biggest consulting companies in the entire world. Then I worked at, at the time, the most, you know, envious and the flashiest startups ever. And so you try to figure out where can I go to be myself and so you try to move all the different puzzle pieces, right? Maybe it's a big company and maybe you'll be happier. Maybe it's a startup, then you'll be happier. Maybe it's to go get a graduate degree, make more money, all these things. And ultimately I had to look myself in the mirror and go, that's not the right. I'm not trying to solve the right problem. The right problem is, is employment the root of the problem, right? Is taking a check from somebody and then exchanging it for a loss of authenticity, sort of where my frustration point is. So uh, it's been about a year. And I've been doing a lot of content creation on LinkedIn and on Instagram and on Facebook. And earlier this year, we launched our flagship podcast called Dear Asian Americans. I talk to Asian Americans, any Asian American, um, about their origin story. I think that's really important to understand where, it's really important to understand where people come from, to understand where they are now and where they need to go, where they want to go. And so we talked to, you know, we, we try to talk to a diverse group of Asian Americans about uh, how they came here. It's been amazing. Um, you know, my own bias being a Korean American person that chose to immigrate here, or at least my parents did, you know, you often sort of forget that some people didn't have that choice, that some people came here as refugees, some people came here as adoptees. And the, depending on where you live, um, again, I shared with you earlier that I moved to a very Korean suburb. Like, so my, my initial American experience was very different than, than most of my friends. And so how do we make sense of all that? Um, 
And so now at Just Like Media, we are now home to six different Asian American shows. Um, one is the Asian Americans. We have one specifically targeting the uh, commercial real estate professional world. We have one about podcasts. Um, we have a group called the Asian Podcast Network, trying to build a community of like-minded podcasters. We recently started a show called MB Asians, which is for and by international Asian MBA students getting their degrees here in the U.S. Um, and we're working on a few exciting ones around the topics of parenting and careers. Um, and, and so why, right? So I get asked quite often, like, why are you doing this? Um, you're crazy. And I think it's really, how do I explain to my kids what I do, right? Or anything in life. Um, so I just want to leave a legacy for them, right? Um, Dear Americans in particular, I started on my daughter's first birthday because it's literally a present to her. And who knows when we're going to leave this earth? Hopefully not for a very long time. But if it happens, at least she's got these bucket of conversations that dad has had with his friends to really understand me. Um, this goes back to sort of how Asian fathers in general don't talk about anything, mm. right? They don't leave breadcrumbs to help us understand some of these things. And so, um, yeah, so we're, we're really excited. Um, we want to be the premier Asian American storytelling company. Uh, we started with podcasts, obviously, as you guys understand, and most folks listening, podcasts have a slightly you know, lower barrier to entry. It is not as complex to get started with podcasting as it is for producing video series or documentaries. And it's 2020. So we can't go to film stuff anyway. We shouldn't be, you know, on the road with a with a camera crew. So here we are, you know, sitting at home with our headphones and microphones turned on and um, asking people questions and having a good time. Love it. Yeah, you know, Jared, you brought up something uh, really interesting earlier, which was, you know, you you work for these large real estate companies, one of the hottest um, tech startups, and you felt like you couldn't be you, you know, like, how did you try to express yourself? And how did you feel constricted? Um, there's, you know, there wasn't necessarily one attempt at self-expression that was shot down, right? I think there is a general unspoken rule, um, you know, in certain pockets of the diverse community, um, code switching is a word that most familiar, most people are familiar with, right? Trying to be or act like a version of yourself that's not, I don't want to say inauthentic. And sometimes it can feel inauthentic, inauthentic but it's really to, you know, uh, cause the least amount of friction in the workplace. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it comes down to, you know, um, when doing work, comes above anything else that is personally important to you. And I don't think this is an Asian American specific consideration. Um, when the goal is deadlines, when the goal is client work, when the goal is go, 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 uh, many people, and not just Asian American folks, often feel like their own mental health and their own priorities, personal priorities that are so important to them, often get ignored or even ignored. Um, it, it get ignored and even, you know, they're ridiculed in the light of, you know, doing what's best for the company. And I understand that there's a lot of good PR. Uh, these companies have a lot of good intent, I believe. At least the leadership does. So they come up with these great campaigns about being your authentic self. And, you know, um, but 
does the culture at every single part of the business really let people be themselves? Um, and I felt that I wasn't. Um, again, the experiences for other people might be vastly different. Um, but, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, what is the mission of the company? And does your values align to the missions of the company? And when you have hundreds of thousands of people working for you, it's statistically impossible for people to align. Mm -hmm. So I think most people end up not sacrificing per se, but, um, you know, putting their, they, they compartmentalize and they go, okay, I'm going to give up, you know, somebody says something to me, I'm going to suck it in. I'm going to suck it in or, you know, not say the things that you want to. Um, so yeah, I, I had a great time at both places. I learned a lot. I have great friends from both, you know, um, organizations and, um, you know, they're still on my resume and people think I'm smarter because I have those logos on my resume. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but you know, I, I think it's not them. It's just the system of working for right. somebody else where their goal is to maximize profit or their goal is to do something. And if it is something that you feel passionate about, then you have to you know, ultimately figure out, decide for yourself whether you want to, you know, jump into your own boat or continue sailing in somebody else's. And, and I think that's a really important point too, is just that level of self-awareness to know what environments are, are best for you. Right. So as we're sharing all this, you know, I, I think you might agree that, you know, not, I mean, just cause we're saying that like all these big companies or whatnot, or these environments aren't like the best environments for us. It doesn't mean it can't be for someone else who maybe could thrive in that. Right. So just being mindful of that and wanted to mention it, but I'd be curious then with, for you, how did that, you know, that uh, misalignment really did start affecting your own mental and emotional health and kind of what, what sort of things did you start seeing that really drove you to be like, I need to change this environment. I need to, I need to try something else here. There were two events that happened that really in that moment, I thought it was consulting related because consulting was what I had been doing in that moment. Um, but two events that happened that really got me thinking about, okay, like I need to do something different. So one, um, my friend is a principal of a charter elementary school here in LA. Um, since then, I've decided to join the board. I, I sit on the board now of our school. Um, but every June, they have this week called Inspire Week where they bring in professionals um, and try to inspire the kids because these kids in their own communities, unfortunately, don't have a variety or as diverse of career people. So uh, Linda asked me to come in and I said, what do you want me to talk about? He goes, tell them about what you do. I said, cool. So it was a classroom of fourth and fifth graders and I've been consulting at the time. And, um, you know, I couldn't explain to 10 year olds what consulting was in their terms, uh, why I loved it. And then why they should do what I do. The whole damn thing was about inspiring kids to do what you do. And I couldn't do it. Uh, not with a straight face, not with conviction in my heart. Right. And so this was about a year in uh, to consulting for me. And on the way home, uh, this was uh, the summer of 2018. I was like, that's it. I got to do something else. Right. And it took months and months after that for me to finally decide to leave. Um, and that was a very important lesson for me, right? Like if you can't, and then so what I imagined in my mind was like, okay, cool. Like at the time, my son was a year and a half. And if and when, you know, when my son was old enough to have a logical conversation with dad, had I continued down that route, 
and was traveling every, every week from Monday to Thursday. And even on Friday, just always on your phone and glued and just stressed. And if he were to ask me, Appa, why do you have to leave every week? What's so important that you leave? Mm. I couldn't answer it, right? And so in that moment, it's like, well, then fuck it, right? Like what, yeah. what is more important than that? So that was one. Um, two, uh, fast forward six months. Um, I was traveling on a project weekly to Detroit um, in, in the dead of winter in November and December. It's cold as hell. Um, and there were some weeks. And so, you know, uh, I won't bore you the details of the, of the travel routine, but in short, because Detroit is in the Eastern time zone and it takes four and a half hours to fly there. There were many weeks where I would work from home on Monday, jump on the afternoon flight, get there Monday night and join my team Tuesday morning. Right. Cause I didn't want to fly on Sunday or nor do I want to take the red eye. Those are awful. Anyway. So there was a particular week where my son's birthday was on a Monday and there wasn't a lot of other things to do that week for our team. And so I asked my senior manager, I said, Hey, it's my kid's birthday on Monday. Um, can I do the thing where I spend the day with him and then fly in Monday night? And, you know, we are, we are working on a deliverable. So I understand. Right. So, she said, well, you know, I really want to go over that with you first thing Monday morning to make sure that we give ourselves the most amount of time uh, to work on it. So I know it sucks, but like, can you come in? Can I see you in Detroit on Monday morning? So like, I was pissed, right? I was like, what the fuck, right? Like, is it that important? It gets better. So I take the red eye. And typically when you take the red eye to Detroit, you get in super, super early. And we don't meet until 10 usually. So I go to the hotel, I, I take a quick nap, I shower or whatever. But she wanted to meet at nine. So I was like, okay, you know what? I don't want to disappoint. So didn't sleep, got ready, ate breakfast, got to the conference room at around like eight something. And then I get a text message saying, I wasn't feeling well, wasn't able to jump on my flight from New York. Uh, I'll call you later. And... I was just like, what the fuck? Not, not a sorry, right? No apology. Not, oh shit, I knew it was your kid's birthday. I'm really sorry. And so I, I spent my son's birthday in a conference room with just me and my associate, with my analyst, just angry. Mm -hmm. And we didn't actually, I actually didn't end up talking to my senior manager until that afternoon because she was, you know, and I get it. She was not feeling well. She went to the doctors. I get that, right? But, I missed my birthday with my, or I missed my son's birthday for a meeting that didn't need to happen, that was trying to be forced and ended up not happening because like, if you did, look, if you knew you weren't feeling well the night before, you could have texted me Sunday night. Don't jump on that plane. I know your, your kid's birthday is tomorrow, right? Sure. And like, why was that? And, and so for me, it comes to, comes down to, you know, we always get obsessed about what we do for a living. We always ask you, what do you do? What do you do? Right. And then we judge people by what they do. And then most recently we got into this, you know, thanks to Simon Sinek and purpose driven, whatever is where why you do what you do became the most important thing. Yeah. Which is cool. What we often don't talk about is with whom you work that actually makes all the difference in the world. Because if you're not on the same wavelength with the people you work with, whether it is above you, below you, or as partners, like none of this shit doesn't matter. Your why doesn't matter if you have bad people in the organization, yeah. right? Like what you do actually doesn't matter. And how you do things is actually easily fixable if you get the people right. 
So that's what I want to stress, right? Like, who do you have in your organization, whether it's people that you're hiring, that you're partnering with, that will prioritize the things that are important to you, right? And so, you know, um, that was the last project that I worked on. I left consulting shortly thereafter. Um, and, you know, it was, it, it still stings, right? Because, and, you know, look, and some of you might be thinking, Jerry, that was his second birthday. He's not going to remember. But I do. And my wife does. And, and so I want to do something where I can prioritize the things that are important to me and also be a place in an organization where nothing is important than the one or two things that you're willing to give up your life for. So if somebody says, hey, you know, mom, family, kid, like we make podcasts for a living, guys. Like we're not trying to save lives right? We don't work at hospitals. We're not the real heroes of the universe right now. Like, let's put that in the context. And I always thought that was interesting when it came to consulting or even, you know, working at the, the company with a startup. Like, why does this require like life or death urgency every single week? Like we do, we do spreadsheets and PowerPoints. <laughs> like yeah. we sold office space. Like it's not that, you know, I get totally. it. I'm not, I'm not making fun of business models, right? I, I believe in capitalism, but you got to have perspective on what is really, really important. And, you know, the scale of importance has to matter. And, and I, I just resonate with that because, you know, coming from the consulting world as well, it, it really does come like the, it, it's, it turns into a fast paced culture of just trying to, at the end of the day, just like, measure our dicks everywhere you know like who can make the most money who can make the the best product or whatever and i think we do lose that connection to the humans that contribute to that so um uh yeah there's there's quite a bit in there but uh i'm curious if uh there's anybody else has a question or save us yeah i definitely had a question you know i'm a fellow father Myself, I have two daughters and I started my first startup, you know, when my daughter was born and, you know, in retrospect, it was probably not the best time to start a new company when you're a brand new parent. So I'm curious, you know, um, I started something in the cannabis space. So I had a tangible product to sell. Mm -hmm. Now you're doing podcasts, which, you know, the business model for monetizing podcasts, there's a bunch of different ones, but I'm curious, you know, like, you know, what, what was the decision-making process to go from a, you know, I'm assuming a very lucrative consulting job to something where you're producing content, but you might not see monetization for a while. Yeah. I, I think, and, and for the fathers out there, like, um, it, I know it's hard, especially right now. Um, but keep on doing what you're doing. Um, don't ever feel guilty about anything. Um, I think that that guilt we were raised with about not being enough um, still haunts many of us. Um, so the truth is that I, the unemployment thing was not necessarily a choice. So I went from the consulting company to the real estate tech startup um, and then was recruited away to a competitor. And after seven weeks, they said, yeah, it's not a good fit. And so it's been about a year. And so, you know, at a crossroads of like, what's the best case scenario of employment, right? Like, 
what would it take for me to find the perfect company to pledge my allegiance to again? And so I explored, I interviewed with a bunch of other companies that are in the industry that, you know, back into consulting. And it just felt like I would always, and I continue to think of, okay, I looked for things purposely or just subconsciously, I guess, that would give me the most opportunity to work on the thing that got me most excited, which was the content stuff. Right. So, um, there was a job at a university and I was like, okay, that's cool because that makes me some money, but those are limited hours. So then I can spend eight hours a day in addition to that creating content. Or it was, you know, back before work at home was a thing like looking for work at home opportunities. So I can, you know, perhaps do one of these and record with you guys during my lunch hour and not have to really worry about any of that stuff. The income replacement is always a fun discussion particularly uh, with my wife. Um, but I, I think about this, like when you, when you take that, so when, when you're a, um, and then these are all like publicly researchable figures, right? Like um, when, when you come out of business school and you go to a consulting firm, the salary is pretty damn good. Cool. You're, that's not your value though. Your actual value is like three or four times that because that's how much your client rents you out for. And then they pay you like 30% to make the whole thing work. So one, there's a misconnect of your own value in the marketplace. You should be at least worth half a million dollars, but they pay you far less than that, right? Like you should, everybody should understand that your salary is not your value. At the very, very worst, it's three right. X that, right? So two, that means I am worth half a million dollars in building the empire that is actually in their case was a public entity. So like you're building Vanguard's empire, right? Like you're building some institutional investors empire. And I was stressed as hell. Um, that same Detroit, you know, I was there for 10 weeks um, in and out. Like there was one day, like my stress was so bad. I had stomach ulcers at night. I couldn't sleep. Why am I getting sick for somebody's like thing yeah. that I don't believe in? And so if I'm willing to go through that and I know I have the work ethic to do it and I have the smarts and the chops and everything to get there, like, let's think long-term, let's think legacy, let's think what I can build so that even if I fail, I'll have something that I can call my own, that I can potentially leave to my kids. Yeah. So, yeah, the, in the short run, the financial shit doesn't make any sense, right? People, um, like, other folks have either asked me bluntly or probably have assumed. They're like, why the hell? Like, this doesn't make sense, dude. You right. can't go from consulting to that, to that. And I was like, yeah, but, and it's not, I, I'm not doing this because we're so financially stable and like comfortable that we can just like throw stuff around, right? But I also feel like if you use that as a metric of whether you jump into something that you want to be your legacy, you never do it, hmm. right? Like you never get to a point where you're comfortable, right? Like there's no perfect, I, I say this to all the people that I work with and coach on podcasting too, like there's never going to be a perfect episode. Just turn on the goddamn mic and upload it, right? Oh, but you know, yep. whatever, right? Like you, you get into these comparison modes of you can't compare your episode one to Joe Rogan's episode thousand, whatever the hell he's on, nor can you compare it to anything NPR does, right? Yeah. They have multi-million dollar teams. Just read something today. NPR is going to make more money from podcasting in 2020 than in radio, which means they're probably going to spend more money on podcasting than they do on radio, right? Like well, you're, you're and, not going to, 
Yeah. yeah, totally. And sorry to cut you off there, but I, I think what I love is that this is really relevant for a lot of, I'd say without, okay, I am generalizing, but with a lot of Asian Americans, right, who maybe grew up in this culture that they have to take the stable, the safe route, and especially when it comes yeah. to money, that it is a, uh, that they could be, you know, develop stability with that. So I'm curious how your culture or your family or kind of all the pushback that you might get from doing something like this, you know, like, yeah, what was, what, what's that experience like and how do you navigate that to, to be able to like take this risk? Um, my father's a doctor, my wife is a pharmacist, so <laughs> they're very, very confused. Yeah. Um, still a conversation in progress of, at least not, not so much on my father's end, but, you know, I mean, I guess, in, you know, if, if you're coming from that background um, where linear meritocracy makes sense, mm-hmm. um, linear rewards and linear meritocracy of I do X, I get Y. I do more X, I get more Y. It's, again, going back to your point, Victor, like, you know, uh, consulting wasn't for me, but it's for somebody. It's people that thrive, people that make a lot of money, people that are just happy doing that. This wasn't for me. And so starting your own thing, whether it's a media company or a cannabis business or whatever it is, like it's not for everybody. Um, But this is literally like, you can't judge fish by its ability to climb a tree. Like what are the metrics that we as a culture and a society put on ourselves and how do we tweak it for each human being that was so different, right? Like this goes back to the $7 billion or 7 billion number, right? Like there's no way that all 7 billion people should strive to go to Harvard, but that's the way we judge everybody in this world, right? And there's no way that all 7 billion people should be willing to work 120 hours like a madman to build a business that is worth far more than that. But why, why, why do we do that? Right. And, and I think it comes down to very well-intentioned parents who grew up in a different time. So here's what I mean. So, um, my grandparents were raised in occupied Korea. Then they went through the war. They lost siblings. Like my grandfather's hometown technically isn't what is North Korea now. So they went through some shit, right? So our parents, both my mom and my dad are products of that scarcity mindset, literal war, literal famine. Like just look up Korea pictures in the fifties and sixties. I'd be shocked. Um, that's the context in which they grew up, man. So no shit, they want us to go somewhere safe. And then in their crazy ass world, at age 30 something, they decided to pick up all their shit and move to America and start fresh. So you went from, and this is not just Korean people, like Vietnamese people went through the war and literally came here. And, like, it's crazy, right? Just go back one or two generations. You get a lot of, um, you get a lot of perspective on this. And then, so those folks, whose parents that they learned from were literal, you know, uh, they weren't even allowed to speak their own language. They weren't allowed to eat their food, went through war, lost brothers, saw people die. That's who they were raised by in terms of do the most safe thing that will guarantee you success. And so I think that's what our parents are telling us to do now. What they know to be the formula for success in 1970s version of Korea right? In 1980s version of wherever they call home. 
And so there's a double mix or a double misalignment of generational and cultural expectations on what happiness and success is, particularly from a career perspective. We talk about, we get to talk about happiness, fulfillment, you know, if we bring in Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid, like self-actualization. We went from famine and survival and war to the three of us being privileged as enough to talk like this on a, on a Friday morning right? in one generation. Right. Of course, there's going to be hardship, right? Of course, there's going to be misunderstanding, right? And so props to all of our parents and grandparents, man. Like everybody's got a different story, but overall, like they went through some shit. Um, you know, people being frustrated about like what's going on in the country now. That's zero, man. That's nothing compared to what they went through. Stay in your ass home with internet and like endless entertainment. Shut up and stay home, right? Like, ooh, I need to go to the beach. No, you don't. Stay your ass home, right? Like, or like, and I get all that, right? But, and then so like, the, think no, the moment, and I have no idea when that clicked for me. That like, oh my God, my grandparents went through that and my parents went through that. And that's why they tell me to do what they tell me to do. That I think is, if more of us understand that, I think it will help not only get our mental stuff better, but it will improve our relationship with our parents. And imagine why our parents don't talk. Where our grandparents are so stoic and like, they don't say shit. Because they've seen some really bad stuff in their lives and they don't want to share with that us, share with, share that with us. Perhaps because it's like, hey, why, you know, why would I want to tell my grandkids like terrible stories of what I saw and what I did? I'm trying to help them live their life better here in America, wherever you may be. But, and then we're here saying, I want to know that stuff because that helps me understand everything. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I think about that, right? Like, what am I doing to make sense of all their sacrifice, right? Like, and going and clocking and click, clocking out, you know, being be a PowerPoint and an Excel ninja, that ain't it. Um, yeah, yeah. And then layer that with what I want to leave for my kids and why are you missing my birthday? <laughs> like, PowerPoint. Excel, that ain't it either. So for me, this was the only path forward. Yeah. And I also want to provide context. This is probably, there's 99.99% chance that this is not my last thing. And so for people that are thinking about going into entrepreneurship or starting something, don't put the burden. But you know, other, one other side thing. So with our parents' generation, it was lauded and encouraged that you work at the same company for 40 years, right? Like longevity is a very, uh, you know, I don't know, lauded trait, like, but that only works in a system where the company is also loyal to you, but it's the same context in the entrepreneurship game, like, or in any starting anything, like, just think about the next one to two years. That's it. That, even that's hard. Um, will just like media be around in 10 years? I hope so. If I, would I bet money on it? Probably not. You know, I may have pivoted onto something else or the world changes. I have no idea. Um, but I think it's because we also compare ourselves to these picture perfect final Instagram version of other people's things that we often get ourselves very down. 
Yeah, you know, Jerry, um, th thank you for that answer. And there was actually something that stuck out to me at the very beginning of your answer, which was you were talking about some of the difficulties you had with your father explaining, you know, what you're doing, but you also talked about your wife. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on, on, you know, the relationship with your wife and starting uh, the media company and any challenges um, that has arise from that? Uh, it's always tough, right? I, I think it's always tough. Um, so here, here's the context. We met in 2013 when I was selling insurance. We decided in 2014 to uh, collectively have me pursue business school. Um, 2015 and 2017, I went to business school. So like, you know, she was supportive of me and my pursuit of higher education um, wholeheartedly, right? And I had a job that paid well. I had a, you know, it was sort of like you, we did all that for you to get to the thing. Yep. And then now you're saying that thing is not what you want to do. So understandably, there's a bit of, you know, explaining or at least empathizing that has to happen from a, well, then what's the next thing, right? Um, and not because she's a scientist by nature or not because of anything, it's perfectly natural for somebody to say, okay, if you're saying that's not the thing, then what is the other thing that you want to do? And what is the clear path for us to get back to where we were with the other stuff? So patience is, something that I think is critically important in the relationship to understand, um, you know, us being in a pandemic throws a wrench into things, right? Um, earlier in the year, I was still entertaining the idea of going to get a job to go either help fund this part-time or to pursue something else. Then just like things went to shit, right? So um, the short answer is that it is continuing was and continues to be a dialogue on a daily basis, right? And this is giving my own advice to myself because I'm terrible at it. Um, but over-communicating is the key. What are you doing today? Who did you talk to? What opportunities are there on the horizon for potential revenue coming in, right? Like what does next month look like? Um, what does six months look like? Because I think that's what's going to keep because when you don't share people assume and that's not a negative thing but they don't know what to think if you don't tell them right so um you know we're finally getting to a point where we're, we're launching multiple shows um you know people i get a lot of notes from friends like man your, your podcast is doing well and i see you all over the place i'm like well you know and it is a bit of self-deprecating humor it's like well i'm glad you think that um but I, I wish sponsors would think that as well, you know, or, or any, any sort of money related joke. But I know that I, I feel very confident that like that's going to pick up, right? I, I feel very confident that that's going to happen eventually. Why? Because I don't look at the Asian American market as 6% of America. I look at the Asian American market not the Asian American market, but 
I define our audience as Asian people who speak English. And so if we use this equation of 60% of the world is Asian, that's four plus billion people. Very conservative estimate that 25% of those people speak English somewhere in the world. That's a billion people. So I'm not trying to fight for the 18 million person audience. I'm trying to attack the billion person audience, which is about three times, three times the, the total U.S. population. So um, you guys obviously are focusing on that same demographic, albeit on the male end, which is, I think, critically important. Um, well, yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I love that what when you said in your answer there is um, the overcommunication and really just being communicative of what's going on. But also, you know, that just like blends into many different areas in terms of communicating our emotions as well just like over communicating in the sense that like it, maybe our point of expression isn't going to be perfect either but this is what's happening this is what's real now um i mentioned that because you know from my end it uh it it, it really is a hard thing for me to be like you know expressing something if i'm not fully prepared with it or or you know like totally even have clarity within myself yet so um yeah and that comes with the work professional or even personally with what i'm feeling emotionally um and so i will just say that like that's you know that is what i do personally consider pretty badass and in, in being able to you know break out of that uh that that or break through that barrier of expressing what's real and what's authentic to you so it's a daily struggle though man because like you you know um we don't you know there's no direct correlation between hours in and money out yeah right and um in in a very uh unstable condition especially right now as we sit here in the summer of 2020 um what is guaranteed, what is firm, what is what can be expected is really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really chicken or the egg, especially when it comes to content. You know, you can have the greatest idea, but if you don't have the listeners, the you know, it's going to be hard to get the businesses to back it up. Um, you know, so you have to try, you know, you have to try new things and, um, I think this is, I think what many entrepreneurs go through, yeah. but getting people to believe in your vision when you're scared shitless inside yeah. is how do you learn that? You don't. Yeah. And and so this goes back to the whole macho thing, right? How we started the conversation, like say people you don't like, tell people you don't know, yeah. like that's okay. Um, you know, I, I, I've been very lucky. I, I've been, uh, I've spoken to a lot of students both at the college and in the high school level. And, you know, I, I share my thoughts on life and in career and, you know, they want to talk about business school and consulting and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that continues to be the most resonant thing that people always like, they come back and they're like, yeah, that's the one thing. It's when I make a joke, it's just like, guys, like every adult that tells you that they know what they're doing is lying. Like we're all making it up as we go. Like, yeah. Everything is new. And so 
I get it. We, we live in this world of, you know, um, I don't even know what to call it. Um, you know, whether it's on Instagram or on Facebook or, you know, right. where it's like, you know, it's follow like, it's me. Like perfectionism or yeah. like it's like an image of, of what perfect is. Supposed right. To okay. Like, you know, um, follow me and I will teach you how to make $8 billion tomorrow. Sure. And then people go, Ooh, I want to learn. And, and I'm not demonizing those folks, but it's also at the same time, like, is that, you know, is, is that authentic? Yeah. Like, or, you know, I, I get it. People run businesses all the time, but think about long-term and think about legacy, right? Like what, what, what are you promising? And especially internally, whether it's to your own tribe or whether it's to your own team, um, personally or professionally, like, like what is like, is your ego that important that you can't just admit to somebody like, Oh yeah, sorry. Like, you know, like it's just going to suck this week or, you know, um, I get it. Um, do you, do yeah. You, yeah. Do you personally like how I, I think, I, I mean, it's, it's always easier said than done this, these things, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to like express it. So as you're like thinking about how you're building, you know, that skill within yourself, is, do you do anything more intentionally or is this kind of something that you, you know, will work on as it comes up or how, how do you like learn to address better you know, opening up or, or saying, or like asking for help, you know? Uh, one, I'm terrible at asking for help. <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of people can, can resonate with that. Um, okay. I need to get better at it. Um, two, I think based on some of the experiences that I had and um, I remember, I want to be the person that I wanted to have worked for. Mm. And that's perhaps, I don't know, not universal either because I'm different or I'm unique. But I don't know. Well, like I'm trying to build my own ship, right? So I want people on board that like can can rock with me and, and can understand and, you know, um, re- relate to me in a way. Um, you know, I, I think that's really, really hard to do. Um, but, you know, like let's take the, the kids stuff, for example, right? Like I never want to tell somebody that work is more important than their family. Um, if it happens all the time and that's a different conversation you need to have with your people of like, okay, like how do we make you successful? Right? Like, is it different hours? Is it a different role? Um, but to universally say that work is more important than going to a family function. Um, especially now when it is so hard, so freaking hard to divide, you know, the line between work and home for most folks, for most young folks that don't live in, you know, large places like, the distance from your bed to your desk is like under 10 feet. Yep. You literally have no work-life balance, right? Like you, it's, I get it. It's challenging. And so how do we create an environment or how do we instill confidence in, in people, um, especially the ones that we work with to believe in the things that you believe in, but believe in the mission, but also make sure that they're, they feel, um, whole and they feel that their foundation is firm that's yeah. that's on a case-by-case basis right anything we're, we're seeing humanity and empathy and compassion on the national stage as the elections are coming up um people it's I'm, i don't shy away from how i feel about that but like you just want nice people you just want empathetic people that understand or at least try to understand and not macho 
their way through to try to punk you or to belittle you. Um, And especially if we dare as big as we do to create a movement in sharing our collective Asian stories through the podcasting and other media, like you have to start with being authentic and being human to human. Um, And sure, will there be a time where we create more business focused or more advice focused shows that don't touch on the empathy? Yeah. But I think right now people just want to feel connected. They want to feel less alone. And when you keep continuing to tell people that their feelings don't matter, that their priorities don't matter, then you're actually going to do just the opposite. You're going to make them feel more alone and that you don't know what they're talking about. Right. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think, you know, that really does speak to a big part of what this podcast is about and kind of the mission behind uh, this community as well. Um, and, and yeah, just want to, want to appreciate you really coming on to share all this um, coming up on our time here, but um, I, you know, really is noble for you to go off into this, you know, very unfamiliar territory now, especially coming from a more stable place and then have to, you know, uh, uh, work with or, or navigate the <laughs> many other emotions that other people around you will have, uh, whether it be your parents or your wife uh, or even your kids. So, um, yeah, just I applaud you for taking that leap and um, really seeking out what what a more fulfilling life would mean for you as well as what legacy you want to pass down. So, yeah. Thanks, man. And, you know, I, I, I will reiterate, um, and, and to people who listen to your show and my show, just ever so grateful for every single listener and whatever you think of our structure or our behind the scenes, um, we're all making this shit up as we go. Um, yeah. every day something changes, the landscape is changing. Um, you cannot predict the popularity of a show. You cannot predict the popularity of an episode. Yeah. Um, technology happens, life happens. The only thing that you can do is to make sure that you know in your heart of hearts that you're doing something that is worth doing, that you're creating something that's worth leaving behind. And the technical aspects of it will change, have to change. And so don't focus on that stuff. Um, You know, crappy audio, best words ever. I'll take that any day over masterly edited fluff. That doesn't mean anything, right? So um, if if you're out there and you're listening um, and you, you know, Want to, want to create something as a side hustle or you're confused because you two were let go and um, you're trying to figure out, you know, what do I need to do? And it's extra challenging if you are a dad. It's extra challenging if you are one of our younger friends and living under the roof of your parents again. Um, it feels like you have this giant burden on your shoulders, but um, join Victor's community. Uh, find people. Um, there's a lot of communities out there. Um, there's a lot of, especially now digital, there's a lot more sprouting up. Um, not every community is going to be as welcoming as inviting and as nurturing. Um, I think we all know we've, we've been in some of these groups who are just like, well, like I get it. You're cool. Um, that's not what everybody needs. Some, again, some people respond to that very well. Um, but for some others, I don't, I don't think that's the answer. I think the, you know, 
So if you, I don't know, this is, this has been a really, really good, fun conversation. Um, Asian men, Asian dudes, uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very optimistic and I'm very hopeful that more people will join these conversations. Um, and yeah, there's so many things that we could have probably talked about today that, you know, fatherhood and, you know, I don't yeah. know telling your totally. kids I love you or yeah, just like normalize apologizing to your fucking kids. Like if you fucked up, tell your kids, sorry, that's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if any of our dads ever did that. Probably not, no, but exactly. you know, stupid stuff like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Victor, Sabo, the rest of the bad team. Thank you guys for what you're doing. Um, I firsthand know how hard all this stuff is. Um, keep going. Cause you're making a difference. Thank I mean, thank you for saying that. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I think we all definitely are so passionate about that in, in really developing, you know, what it means to be badass from internally, because I think it's so easy for us to want to externalize all of the things like collect certain things or achievements or accomplishments or do all these cool things. But it really does. Th those are very fickle and unpredictable and we can't base our internal sense of fulfillment or happiness or love even on anything else because of how unpredictable or how much it changes you know, yeah. now this whole pandemic really shows that for us in that there's nothing very certain anymore right other than what you can develop within yourself so um anyway i you know based on what you shared i think that really speaks to that so thank you for for being here and sharing that um, Sabo seemed to have dropped off the, the call, but, uh, um, yeah, thank you again for being here. How could people find you or listen to your podcast or what you're working on? Yeah. Um, you can find me personally. I'm happy to connect with you guys, uh, one-on-one -on -one. LinkedIn and Instagram are probably the easiest ways to find me on LinkedIn. It's just Jerry Wan on Instagram. It's Jerry J Wan. At Jerry Wan on Instagram belongs to some dude who hasn't posted in eight years. I'm very upset. Um, branding is important, folks. Get yeah. every get get everything that you can. Um, oh, yeah. I was like very anti Instagram when it first came out because remember it was like the hipster app for a long time. Mm. I was like, I don't need that stuff in my life. Right. And I'm like, ah, you know. Um, follow our shows if you uh, want to check out our shows. Please uh, uh, at Dear Asian Americans on Instagram or just Google it. And um, I think we've done a good job of SEO, and it will pop up. Um, just like media is the company name where you'll find information about um, all of our other shows and so you can just find us at justlikemedia.com or on instagram again at justlikemedia um yeah or i don't know jerry Wan anywhere you find me uh, happy to connect with anybody who wants to chat about life um if i can convince you not to go into consulting that would be a good good accomplishment of mine um but yeah thanks victor yeah thank you we'll put all those in the show notes as well so Thanks for coming on, and I love this conversation. I'm excited for uh, where where this goes. <laughs> Keep being badass, folks. All right. <laughs>